DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. His weekly appearance brought to you by Murdoch Chevrolet. David, good morning. Good morning, guys. David, I'm curious. This is a bigger picture, but uh, I'm curious why it seems like the NBA players and owners, while they're struggling with the right formats, agree there needs to be a format and they're definitely going to get it done. And baseball, while they may get it done, they want it at least for now to appear like they are just at each other's throats. At what point, and was it like 30 years ago or something, did they form some kind of partnership in the NBA? How did that happen in the NBA that, at least from the appearances of what we're seeing, whatever happens behind closed doors and people get frustrated and whatever, at least it's not spilling over to the public view in the NBA the same way? I think Adam Silver probably deserves a lot of this credit um, because I don't know that I think David Stern had the same relationship um, with the players. Um, I think he he had a little bit more of of that labor unrest element to him as a commissioner. And I think when Adam Silver came in, he gave them a voice. I'm sure there's some areas where, you know, that voice becomes loud enough it's problematic as well. Um, what Major League Baseball is doing is trying to undo 50 years of labor. You know, like basically the you know Major League Baseball's union's proudest moment is the fact that they've never had any type of revenue share. Somehow, Major League Baseball owners decided to try to use the pandemic as a way to overturn that in without collective bargaining agreement being open. And then, I what, the one I don't understand, um, and this is really where the contrast between the NBA and the Major League Baseball is so obvious, is, um, you know, it feels as though Adam Silver is inconsistent communication with all the stars. You know, Damian Lillard made his comments. I have a feeling he'd made them to Adam Silver in person prior to making them to Chris Haynes of Yahoo. Like, that's the level of communication that Adam Silver has with the top players in this league. Um, In contrast, Major League Baseball just tried to pit its stars against its lower-end paid players and really put the stars in a position where they can only look terribly in the public which is such a bizarre thing to me to, to, to do. I mean, it's let's take your single most marketable and the reason why people are watching the game and make them look bad and make them look bad in the eye of the public is just a bizarre approach to this. So we hear that the Board of Governors were going to have a meeting and all, and is it when it comes down to which format they're going to use, is it going to be a simple majority? Or is Silver going to decide? How is that going to play out? I mean, I think by the time it's going to be done, it would hopefully be unanimous. It won't be when it starts. Um, I don't know how the Board of Governor meetings work in that sense, but I think that, you know, they've been pretty transparent with both um, at least letting the media know what's going on or the media finding out and with the owners. And so there have been, you know, there there are really, I guess, probably some version of, of three versions, right? All 30 teams, and you play the regular season, and then all, only 16 teams, and um, you just play the playoffs, and then some plus version, either 20 or 24 teams. Um, there are a bunch of questions on each one that have to get answered. I think that's probably where the Board of Governors meeting would start, is trying to make sure that everyone's got the information that they need to have, and then from there, 
once you decide the formats, then you have to make the next steps in each of those decisions. Um, the only news note that I saw that was interesting was all of a sudden the idea of a July 31st start, which leads me to believe two things. One, I've never believed this idea that we have to be done by Labor Day because of football. I just, well, first, I don't know that I think football is necessarily starting on Labor Day. And two, I just can't imagine, like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, it just doesn't jive. Like, you're putting in all this effort to get all the payments done and to make money, but you're just not willing to go past Labor Day. It doesn't, that doesn't jive at all. Um, so I'm not, I'm not believing that. Um, but I thought July 31st was interesting if that's really what, like I saw that as a start date late last night. It's later, a little later than I thought, which limits some of what you're going to do here. So for the players, so that the playoffs look like high-caliber competitive basketball, do there need to be 5, 10, 15 games in front of it? What do you think? Put aside all the business stuff, which I know that's impossible, but just for purposes of this, put the business stuff aside. How, much basketball, how many basketball games do they need to play before a playoff game looks like playoff-quality basketball? Well, DJ, I think this is a great point because this is, was kind of my big takeaway yesterday on this whole deal. If you think about it, um, I talked about it as though it was a Venn diagram. Um, there's, you know, their safety is the number one overriding issue, and that. But to some extent, you've decided you're willing to take a risk the minute you do this. The, you know, if safety was the number one deciding issue, we just stay home. Um, so you have basketball fairness in the sense of like standings and opportunity, really to the box and Lakers. Must you have revenue? which is important. And you have what you're talking about, which is basketball quality. And what's interesting to me is if you think back like the old Venn diagram where the circles intersect, those circles don't really intersect very well at all in this process. Right? Like, I think you have a legitimate point. Like, if you go straight to the playoffs, like, what are those opening games going to look like? And, you know, do you suddenly get an eight one seven two upset because of the fact that People are rusty, and then you've kind of hurt your league, hurt the value of these playoffs a little bit. Um, on the other end, you need eight or nine games to start, and if you bring back all thirty teams to do that, I think it's pretty clear that Steph Curry and Trey Young and Carl Anthony Towns are not playing, and maybe even Dame Lillard. Um, so, I I don't know the answer on how. I think that's where the World Cup form which has its own problems because I don't think it's very fair. Um, where the World Cup model gives at least better basketball for the second, third, and final rounds of the playoffs, it increases revenue because it gives you those games you need. Um, but it's not very good on basketball fairness. If I'm the Lakers or the Bucks, I'm pretty sour that my regular season didn't do me anything. Yeah, I mean, it's the circumstances being what they are, though. So I think that uh, people are going to be fine. They're going to be celebrating the fact that there's basketball. They're going to be worried about the quality of play because it's not going to be the same. I think we understand that. It will not be the same as if they continued and went through and did what they normally do and what they've done for every year. So I think people already accept that. I don't think that's that's big of a deal to the public. The bigger picture of what you're talking about is that we're in a new normal. There's not, we can't go back to what we once had. And, you know, we have to kind of accept what 
what we're going to get now, however that's going to be, what your fan experience is going to be when we allow fans back in, what your broadcast experience is going to be watching, and what the quality of the game is. I'm 100% with you on that. Yeah, I agree. Well, obviously. <laughs> Do you think... Wow, we just brought the show to a halt when I agree with PK. <laughs> yeah, right, everything's That's pretty good. We've all, you know, we only got about 90 years of broadcast experience between the three of us. We're probably not supposed to have that kind of dead air. I think that uh, with Damian Lillard's comments... You know, they first came out, then there's been some follow-up. So then, in, in summary, when you get it, then the gist of his original point was, don't send me to Orlando for five or six games where we're fodder and I don't have a chance to get to the playoffs. Send me down there for 17 regular season games or 19 or whatever they had left to finish the season, and let's see if we can make it. Or send me down there and put me in the playoffs in some kind of play-in thing, and, okay, it's weird, but at least I got a chance to win. But running down there for five games and not making, not really giving him a shot to get in didn't make any sense. Was that his point? Yeah, and let me ask you this one. Let's say we go straight to the playoffs, okay, which is... Well, if we go straight to the playoffs, he doesn't have to go down there, so I guess he... Right, but let's say we go straight to the playoffs. Let's, let's just do that. I'm kind of moving past aim into a bigger picture. And I think that that's... It feels like there's a lot of chance that that's what ends up happening just because you can't get anything else approved. Um, so let's say we go straight to the playoffs. And Orlando is the eighth seed, is that right? Who's the eighth seed in the West? In the East. And they go down and they go through this. Well, they're in Orlando, so it's not as big a deal. But let's just say that the seventh seed, the Nets, go down and they play without Kyrie and without Durant. And they go down to this and they get court. They do this. They get quarantined. They, they're, in the bu- they're in the campus or the bubble. And then they lose in four and they just go home. So they play four games? Yeah. Like, if the Jazz without Boyan go down and play the Rockets or the Thunder and they lose in five and go home, aren't, like, aren't the Jazz players pretty sour that they just had to give up that much time of their life for five games? I don't know. I guess it would be guy by guy. Some guys might be saying, well, at least that's over and it didn't last two months. Right, I guess, right. Yeah, I think I think I mean, what, it's you're, weird, it's a, what you're going it's where 15 players. There does seem to be some value to the World Cup model or some sort of model that has some games before the regular season starts so that you're not asking a month and a half a time out of somebody for four games. I think one of the things to think about when we had Joe Ingles on, he was talking about how he's feeling a little bit stronger, a little bit better than he thought because he's been able to get some weightlifting in without having to always constantly being the doing the aerobic stuff, running, obviously, in basketball and practicing. You're running all the time. And so that hasn't happened. He hasn't played any games in two and a half months, but he's been lifting all the time. So there might be some benefit there to players – getting an opportunity to come back maybe a little bit stronger. Now, their win may not be as uh, as good, nor their, you know, the techniques of the basketball, but they might be stronger because most of these guys haven't had this long of a time in which they haven't played any form of competitive basketball, whether it's pickup, it's national team, whatever it might be. They're not doing that, but yet they're able to, depending on what their situation is, in the case of Joe Ingles, having a gym basically at his home downstairs, he's talked about that, allowing himself to get stronger. So in some respects, it might be a positive. Well, I've watched Renee's Instagram, so if he's done half of what Renee does, he'll be fine. Yeah, she's a workout fiend for sure. 
So, you know, I was uh, listening to an uh, NHL podcast, um, Locked on NHL the other day, and they were talking about that there's a feeling amongst the NHL players that they could be better, that the hockey could be better than it's ever been. Um, and it translates to exactly what you're talking about. That you know, in hockey, you just are physically beaten, and then you get into these playoff matches that some of them are just slugfest, and you just move to the next one. The other one that, um, from talking to Mike Elliott, and congratulations to the Jazz training staff um, for the award they won yesterday for you know uh, trainers of the year, along with Oklahoma City for the way they dealt with the uh, COVID situation in Oklahoma. So congratulations to to Mike and to Eric and to Barnett and uh, to the whole crew. Um, Eric Phillips. Um, the Mike the conversation I had with Mike Elliott a little while ago was about peak performance. And we were talking about the new schedule and sometimes having three days off. And he said, you know, really, truly peak performance for an athlete is you, you get to your peak. And then if you can perform on a consistent basis so that you're going always going every other day or you're always going every two days or you're always going every you know, th- you know three days and you find a way to maintain peak performance. The problem athletes have with injuries is when they're at peak performance and they drop off with too much rest and then they try to get back to peak performance or you run peak performance for too long a period of time and then you fall off. If if I the way I'm you know suspecting things is that these guys would play virtually just every particularly in a playoff series they would just play every other day. There's no travel. You just play four games. It, once if you did the first round, you just play four games one day, four games the next day, and and just have it on a pattern. We could have absolute peak performance for an extended period of time for the athletes. No travel, rested, and not playing in an inconsistent manner where you're trying to maintain peak performance or popping off it like Mike Elliott talked about. So at, there is a possibility that, like from at least an athlete standpoint, these guys will be at their at their maximum. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, joining us. So are they going to get to this uh, level as soon as the playoffs are done, just go into the next season and figure we've already had an offseason once you start hearing this end of July date? I guess the teams that get eliminated would have some downtime waiting for the playoffs to finish, but the teams that go deep in the playoffs, would it be pretty much just rolling right into the next season? No, I don't think we're starting the next season any earlier than December 18th. Kind of from what I've heard. Okay. And frankly, I'm the one who's made up December 18th. Everything else I've heard is Christmas. <laughs> um, but for, I can't figure out why TV-wise you would start on Christmas Day. I would suspect that you start, you give yourself an opening week of TV broadcasts, and then you hit a celebration on Christmas. So that's, you know, so I think you would start the 16th, 17th, or 18th. But that's just, you know, I'm making that up. Um, so that, I, I think that in, in that sense, no. Um, we wouldn't go straight um, to the next season. You still have to have also the draft and free agency. Um, and I then think, as we've talked about before, I think there's a chance that this is the new NBA schedule. Well, at least we're going to find out. I love, I love the. Th- these are the things I like. I wish we could try more things in Orlando because you might as well just see what they're like. And um, I understand why it probably will be more traditional than we than we've talked about. Um, but I. I do love this like idea of, like, let's start at December 18th or December 25th and find out. Um, and then if it turns out that we you live through that, and you're like, wow, that's really, like, you know what, that's a little too late. Then just back it up. Like, then back it up three weeks. But, but there's no reason to be starting on October 15th like we have been. Um, that just kind of happened over time, and we have a chance to reset that and decide what the best way for the league to function is. How about the draft, then? What's going to happen there? 
Um, I'm hearing um, September is what kind of the word on that is. Um, but it would probably just be shortly right after the, the uh, finals, the way that it kind of always has been. So this whole uh, East-West playoffs, traditional or reseed and go one through sixteen. Let me hear. What would you guys, What would you guys do if you had your? If you, from a viewer standpoint, not like your commissioner, what would you do for safety? Like from a fan standpoint, what would you want? I would just stay East-West. So you just go no regular season. Start one through sixteen. No, I would, oh, I would have regular season games if it were up to me. I think if you're going to send 12 Western teams back, and I think 11 games probably get you, you know, much better quality basketball. I just have everybody play everybody once. I just have a round robin, tack those 11 games onto the standings, and then seed the playoffs one through eight, and uh, away you go. PK? I would like to see some form of games. You know, at first when Damian Lillard said what he said, I thought, that wow, that's outrageous. But the more I thought about it, I thought, okay, he's making some sense. But I wouldn't want to have a league rejoin but yet not have all the teams in the league. And so I would like to see some form of the teams going back there, wherever it might be and however they do it, it's up to them. So have some amount of games. I haven't thought about the amount of games that they need to play. But have a little bit of a playoff race and then go. And if you wanted to seed them without the conferences and however you wanted, I'm okay. Because I think there might be some advantages to that. Uh, I would be okay with that. Because this new norm that you speak of, and I've heard you use this phrase now, that's the, we don't even know what the new norm is. We just know that there's going to be a new norm. And so if they think of things that are against what we normally have had, you take like interleague play in baseball. I thought, oh, why why would they do that, man? They've had this thing going on for so long, blah, blah, blah. Well, then they've had it, and people have responded, and attendance has been better. It really hasn't ruined anything. It's probably it's, it's enhanced it. It's made the game more money, you know, to see the Dodgers and the Angels play. I went last year when we were down for Pac-12 Media Day, and the Dodgers played the Angels, and I saw Mike Trout throw a bullet from center field and nail a runner, and so it was kind of cool. So I think this new norm, even though we don't know what it's going to be defined as completely, might actually be beneficial. And years from now, we'll look back and say, wow, that was something that they used and used to their advantage and made it better. So I'm excited to see how that's going to be. Yeah, I, I, I'm up for trying things. I think it's going to be very hard to get consensus through the Board of Governors, and there's so many other bigger issues that um, I think it'll be hard to get it all approved. But I think it's great we've talked about it. I don't know when it ever gets instituted. All right, David, we will leave it there. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next week. Talk, talk to you guys soon.